All right, so today on the podcast, we have Coach Jason Jackson. He's the longtime defensive coordinator at Ravenswood High School. And this past year, he took a break uh, from being defensive coordinator uh, to help uh, with some family uh, stuff. But Coach Jackson is full of wisdom, and I really appreciate him coming on the podcast. All right, we got uh, Coach Jason Jackson on the podcast this morning. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Coach. I appreciate it. Coach, I love I love your Alabama hat you have on, by the way. We were just talking about that before we came on. Uh, roll sure. Tide, right, absolutely. Yes sir. yes, sir. I'm a big Alabama fan. I have been my whole life. Uh, my claim to fame, I actually, when I was 10 years old, I wrote a letter to Bear Bryant, and uh, about two months after I wrote it, I got a letter back, and I've done some research on it over the years. Uh, I think it was probably a form letter, but uh, there was a signature on it. And the thing was, I've, I've lost it. I lost it in college. I took it with me when I, I went to school at Fairmont State, and I took it up there to show some of my teammates and my coaches and everything, and I lost it somewhere. So. Yeah, I've been an Alabama fan my whole life. My dad was big. Uh, his one of his best friends. Uh, he lit or he went to, uh, served with him in Vietnam in the Air Force. He's from Birmingham, and we would go down and visit. And I was hooked on Alabama when I was a kid. And of course, love Nick Saban, man. I studied him and uh, really, really, uh, you know, West Virginia guy and just you know, big, big time. You know, I, I love Alabama. Absolutely, coach. Coach, talk a little bit about your your background, um, kind of your playing career, coaching career, and then yeah. we'll, we'll go from there. Well, I tell you what, I was super blessed to play for legendary coach Fred Taylor. Uh, he won a couple state championships at Ravenswood. He coached there from 66 to 96. And uh, also, too, at the same time, uh, Coach Dick Sturm, who was later on my head coach uh, for several years at Ravenswood. He was also the offensive line coach and defensive coordinator. So was very blessed to, to play under those guys in high school. And then I uh, got to go to Fairmont State uh, back then. Of course, it was college and uh, played for uh, – started out, Wally Hood was the head coach, and then Doug Sands became the head coach. But had some, you know, great experiences there. It was, you know, never going to be an impact player. You know, the, my, my uh, big-time thing was, you know, when you get up there, they say, you know, you can time your sundial – or uh, time your 40 with a sundial. You know, I was never the fastest guy or the biggest guy, but I knew I wanted to coach. And uh, I learned a lot from Rusty Elliott up there, a great, great coach, and also Nelson Elliott. Um, those guys really you know, taught me a lot about, you know, not just uh, playing football at the collegiate level, but how to coach. And that's that was my main reason for trying to, to do what I did at, at Fairmont State. And I've got a lot of great uh, teammates that I, I play with. We still stay in touch and everything. So. Uh, went to North Carolina for a year at, right out of college. I coached down there in Orange County and then was really blessed. I came home and started out coaching uh, freshman football at uh, Ravenswood High School when Dick Sturm got hired after Fred Taylor hmm. retired. Uh, coach Sturm hired me as the freshman coach. And then I just climbed the coaching ladder. I went from freshman coach. I came up. Uh, actually, it was kind of unique. Back then, he had uh, me and uh, Coach Kemp Kelly doing double duty. We were the freshman coaches, and then we were coaching JV. So we were doing uh, Fred, uh, JV on a Monday. Then we were coaching freshmen on a Wednesday. And then on Friday night, we were doing duties for the Friday night. So as young coaches, we were thrown right into the fire, and he let us develop and everything. But got to come up and be the offensive line coach. I think it was around 2001. And then uh, he hired me as a defensive coordinator. And then, of course, I coached uh, under him. And then I coached uh, defense under uh, Coach McPrice and then Kim Kelly. And then I helped uh, Eric up there last couple of years. And then uh, this past year, I was set to go uh, and help uh, Coach Fields down at Herbert Hoover. And uh, kind of had a little situation happen with a family member, and it, and it uh, had a health scare. And I realized that my drive and for my family, you know, the drive down to Hoover, it was about an hour and 10 minutes, roughly. So a couple hours a day mm -hmm. on the road uh, wasn't going to be that bad, I don't think. But then I realized, you know, hey, you know, my family is probably 
the first thing I got to put first. And so now, you know, family members doing great, um, is, is healing up and I'm super excited that, you know, hopefully this year I'll be able to get back into coaching somewhere. And, uh, football's in my blood. And I just, I can't, I can't shake it. You know, it was excruciating this year, not coaching. I will say that it was just, uh, you know, Friday nights was horrible. Wednesdays, of course, you know, coming up in our program, Wednesday was always a big defensive day for us. Mm-hmm. And I will say that Wednesday, it would be, uh, you know, end of school time. And it's just like there was a clock in me, you know, like I felt like I needed to be doing something defensive. I needed to be you know, the game plan. Where is it at? What are what are we doing? You know, and it, I tell you what, Wednesdays was very hard on me, and uh, and I think that's just you know you teach kids about training and muscle memory and everything, and I really think that bleeds over into coaching. You know, it's just uh, mm-hmm. you, it's ingrained in you. You've got it. You know, it's in, every your heart and your being is is, uh, you know, if you're into football, that's that's what it's all about. So, yeah, definitely hoping to get back into it this year, 100%. You're talking about muscle memory. That's, that's funny you say that because I think that, you know, us as coaches, we have as much, as many routines as our players have. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, absolutely. Well, you're used to doing this and doing that. And uh, so, Coach, talk about, you know, we've talked defense before. Talk yes, a little bit about that. So talk about, like, what's your philosophy – but right. How did you how did you learn defense and how has that you know evolved right. over time? Well, I tell you, uh, I tell you, you don't you don't ever see this defense. Uh, but in high school, we were we ran a really unique defense, and at, at one point, uh, we all I also had a, a defensive coach. His name was Doug Parrish, and he was a, a baseball coach at Ravenswood also, and he won a state championship. Ravenswood, great defensive mind. But uh, and then Dick Sturm was the defensive coordinator. But we ran a defense that was really unique. It was a wide tackle four, and mm. you really don't see it anywhere anymore. And I've I've never really dived into it and studied it. But you know, it, it was basically what ended up happening was you ended up having six guys around the football because your two middle linebackers were about three yards off the line of scrimmage, and it looked like you had a bubble there to run to. But you mm. don't. <laughs> right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually played outside linebacker in that uh, uh, defense. And I was the strong side outside linebacker, and it was pretty unique. You know, you went to the strong side of the field, which back then we always designated, and most teams do, the tight end's going to be your strong side. And I'm up on the line of scrimmage, and basically you had the flat. You, you know, it's, it's kind of like a cut, it was always a cover three. Uh, but I always kind of liked that idea because when I was playing, when if we had a short yardage situation, you know, basically we've got uh, six guys, seven guys right up on the line of scrimmage. It ended up being a passing situation. We had a couple checks. And if flow went away as an outside linebacker, I rotated, I rotated to the center of the field. Hmm. So, you know, it's it's kind of a unique defense. And, you know, I've, I've kind of tried to watch and see if anybody ever runs it anymore, and, and they don't. But uh, when I went to Fairmont, mm-hmm. I started out on, on the defensive side of the ball and played defensive end a little bit and then uh, played uh, on you defensive line pretty much the whole time, just wasn't fast enough to play linebacker. But I switched. I switched sides of the ball um, and got to – uh, play offensive line, and and actually it was probably my best move because I got to learn both sides of the football. I got mm-hmm. to learn the coaching side of it. But when I got out of college, you know, I, I was kind of blessed to be the, a head coach in a middle school. And uh, I, when I look at my career, I just I couldn't have had a better situation happen. You know, I, I like the proverbial coaching ladder. I mean, I. I hit every single rung of it. I mean, yeah, it, for sure. it was wild. And um, so I cut my teeth, you know, getting to, the, to your original question about defense. I, I really got to develop myself on both sides. And when I got the opportunity to be the defensive coordinator, I was had multiple ideas, but I wanted to be um, as basic as I could. And mm-hmm. When I realized when I first started, I was so blessed because of our athletes. We had some horses. And I say this, I've talked at some coaching clinics, and, you know, the old saying goes, 
when you have the horses, you can plow. And when you have real horses, you can plow not, you know, long and deep. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. when I became the defensive coordinator, we had some studs. And mm-hmm. in 2004, we broke uh, – we had a, a sack record that we broke. It was 55 sacks in 12 oh games. Oh, my gosh. And, and, you know, we was blessed with an All-State linebacker, Andrew Schindler. Uh, was blessed with a two-time – uh, All-State lineman, William Workman. And when you've got a 300-pound uh, – he, he was a Hunter Ward finalist back then. When you've got a 300-pound lineman that could uh, whip a grizzly bear with a willow switch, okay, that's the old <laughs> saying Dick Sturm used to use. And then you got a 215-pound linebacker behind you, you're going to do great things. Well, what happened is we uh, set – the scoring record for defense back then, it was like, I think we scored 26 points. Oh, my God. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy. In fact, you know, I, I want to look here real quick. I always I always forget this number. It was a big number, but – and I'm, I'm going to get to your question there about uh, where I'm at and philosophy-wise, but let me take a look here real quick at this number. On turnovers, that year in, in 2004, we had – 26 forced fumbles and we recovered 18 of them and we had 15 interceptions. Like our takeaways were crazy. And that defense put in my mind a concept that I've taught ever since then. I I like to have the defense be offensive minded and that's an oxymoronic concept. And a lot of people, uh, my, you know, old school, coaches they're like hey if you keep them from scoring we can't lose you know that was yeah. my head coach dick Sturm. he always said joke with me on friday night he'd said it every game on friday night he said hey man you got one goal if they if, if you keep them from scoring we can't lose and he was joking but realistically that's the way defense was looked at you know just that's the only thing that matters mm-hmm. and um i started to realize in 2004 we made our own breaks, not because I was really teaching it. Um, we, we started to attack because I realized, hey, man, I've got some great players. But, you know, we weren't just waiting for the breaks to capitalize. Mm-hmm. We were making our own breaks. So I kind of stumbled into that, and I realized, hey, man, I want to do this all the time. So I started di- digging deep and trying to find what coaches are teaching, you know, these types of concepts. How are they doing it? Well, surprisingly, mm-hmm. back then, there wasn't very much. You know, the, yeah. I looked in deep into, like, you know, NCA guys and NFL-type numbers and who's teaching what. How do, you, how do you get that mindset to make the offense defend what you're doing? And, there, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't very much. Yeah. So I just kind of broke it down, and I started looking, hey, man, what, what can we do so basically, it started out. You've got to attack. You got to attack from multiple points on the field. You can't just depend on you know that Mike Blitz you know here or there. Hey, let's throw that Mike Blitz at him on a rundown. Let's throw the same Mike Blitz at him on a passing down. And uh, so I started to. It started out with a four-four, and mm-hmm. that 2014 ran a four-four, and they, we were really good at it. Like I said, some stud linemen and a couple really good linebackers behind them, and in a pretty good defensive backfield. But as I progressed, I realized that a cover two was allowing you to do multiple things. You know, hey, mm. that's about the time when teams really started to maybe start to spread out a little bit. They were going zone read, and they were then passing out of it. And I realized that cover two allowed us to be able to jump into a cover – or being a cover two mm. to, to basically protect you know, the verticals and protect the field and the passing game. But then I realized, too, if you got the right – and it's kind of tough in high school. And I ran into it a little bit uh, on some lean years. But, you know, when you're in a cover two, you can be – you're basically dividing the field up and you, you're know, 11 guys, of course. But mm-hmm. you've got half the field covered with five guys and you basically can even it out and cover the other half of the field with uh, six guys. And, and you know, you always want to create – cover two allows you in a, a four-three front. It always – I always loved it because you – you can even out your numbers compared based on what the offense is coming out in. And it it was the easiest thing for me to, to really try to apply to our kids. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I realized that that cover two safety, we could drop them down and we'd be in a four, four. 
or we'd walk him up on the outside and we we would blitz we every person in my defense has a blitz for them every mm -hmm. single guy our safeties our corners of course all the linebackers and then you know we play a little some games in the defensive line and I always told the guys on the defensive line these blitzes aren't made just for the guys behind you if you mm -hmm. do your job okay and a coach is has talked all week about here comes that mic, here comes that safety. Hey, when we see this, here comes the corner. Those offensive linemen have got to think that, and they're getting hammered all week, then they're going to forget about you. That mm. that blitz is designed for the defensive lineman also. You've mm. got to do your job and you got to set it up. But <laughs> it's it's you can get in on that action just as well as the mic can, just as well as the safety can. So you know, it's uh, the, the idea whenever we got our guys to start believing in make your own breaks, okay? And we started to teach the guys we can score on every single play just as like the offense can. Okay, mm -hmm. we don't have to fall on a fumble every single time. Actually, we did the opposite. And, and it was a fight <laughs> with my old school coach. My old yeah, school sure. coach, he was like, hey, man, I, originally he said, Let's just take the fumble. Let's just get on it. I was like, Coach, let's do it this way. Let's teach these guys when the ball's on the ground. As long as it, you know, there's certain situations. Hey, there's a scrum and a ball falls on the ground. Yeah, drop one. Right. But if that ball is out there bouncing and we teach our yeah. guys specific skills to pick that up and not just throw it by chance that they know what to do, mm -hmm. then we're going to have a chance to score. So what happened was, he reluctantly said, yeah, let's let's do that. Mm -hmm. So we started to – we ended up scoring in my uh, – over 17 years, 300 defensive points. Oh, my okay? gosh. Yes. Yeah, so we had 14 scooping scores. Yeah. Um, and then I've, I had to look at the – whatever that difference is on interception returns. And I'll get to interception returns in a little bit. But um, – you know, up to that point, you know, even, you know, when you study NCAA football, I forget what date it is. I'm, I'm going to say it was in the 80s where you might have been early 80s. You still couldn't advance a fumble like that old school oh, way of thinking. You know, I forget what year it was. They changed that rule. Uh, but there's been some highlights, you know, in the in the uh, national championship game. I think Notre Dame was playing somebody. No, it wasn't Notre Dame. Anyway. You couldn't advance a fumble. You, if you if you bounced up into your chest and you had a clear shot to the end zone, it was blown dead. So you know my 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 old school coach and he coached for fifty years. Um, that was ingrained in them, and we talked about that when we first started this podcast. You know, as coaches, you get it used to something, and it's it's kind of like a, a clock in you. Well, it was ingrained in him. Hey, man, we're we're just going to take the sure fumble. So. What we did, we, we started to teach that, and we started to teach how to create fumbles. Um, a great thing that we teach on form tackling is you're punching through the ball with your, with your tackle. We're not mm -hmm. tackling the first guy in, the second guy in. We don't teach those guys to tackle the football ever. You know, we're teaching, you know, good form tackle, bent knees, eyes up, see what you hit, keep your feet in the ground. You know, everybody always talks about uh, – Arm tackling. There is no really such thing as arm tackling. It's non-feet in the ground tackling. When you stop your feet, that's when those, you know, and your arms are out there, that's when they run through your arms. And, you know, I broke that down years ago. I just said, there's something more to this. And when kids stop their feet as they're tackling, that's when guys break through the arms. And the old saying, quit arm tackling, quit arm tackling. And what it is, is they're just not moving their feet. So what it, you know, we teach that form tackle, but as we're punching through the ball, or as we're form tackling, we're punching through the ball. And Charles Tillman, you know, I, you know, I don't know if you, know, you ever watched him, but he played for uh, the Bears. Bears, yeah. He's their cover and, two corner, yeah. Yeah, and one of the craziest things, the top in the NFL, the top ten players in NFL history with forced fumbles, okay? He's number seven, okay? Mm. This is unique. He's playing in the defensive backfield, but he's number seven. All the other uh, nine players in the top ten are either defensive ends or they're outside linebackers. So when you break it down, what that tells you is 
those guys were getting their forced fumbles on quarterback sacks yeah. or hits around the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He's a defensive back, and he's number seven. Well, when you study him and you watch his his film, <laughs> it's evident why he, you know, was so good at that. As he shoots his hands and on when he's form tackling, he's making a punching motion. Well, we started teaching that to our guys, and we uh, we averaged seventeen forced fumbles a year after that. And oh my gosh. yeah, Thank man, it, it's it, you know, and, and again, it goes back to I, I'm a firm believer in this, and. You know, we can we could probably do a whole different podcast on when your kids get to you from youth league or they get to you from middle school. A lot of times coaches assume they know fundamentals and that's not always the case, you know, mm-hmm. and you're te- you're starting to reteach or not reteach, but you're starting over a lot of times. And uh, we get into that rut. We say, well, these kids should know this. These kids should know how to block and tackle. Well, you know, it's not necessarily the case. So. But I always said, hey, if we want the guys to do something, and this goes back clear back to 2000, the 2004 year, I'm going to have to teach them, hey, I'm going to have to vocalize, we want to be offensive-minded. We want the offense to defend us, okay? Every play, I mean, there was one year uh, when we would be in team during the week and then on Thursdays in light practice, I, I forced the guys – as the after they went through, the, you know, their uh, communication, you know, down distance situation, you know, their guys are talking. I always said that one year at the very end, I want somebody to yell, we can score. And mm. what that does, it just puts it in their mind that, man, when the ball's on the ground, we're going to scoop and score. When we intercept the ball at its highest point, we're going to the end zone. And we all, we had a couple cues, a couple, you know, buzzwords we used, mm-hmm. and uh, it's hit the fence. And, you know, get on the train and hit the fence. Mm-hmm. And, again, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's pretty cool when you get kids to start believing in a concept. You've been there, Coach. I mean, it's that light bulb moment, and it creates you know, the energy, and it creates excitement. But, anyway, our, our thing about hitting the fence is all through two days – I, I would tell the guys, you know, that guy was a defensive uh, guy that's getting ready to score. He he can't get there by himself. I want all 11 in the end zone, and I want all 11 to hit the back to get there. We're going to overtrain. We're going to hit the fence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on the practice field, if we picked up a fumble or we intercepted, uh, all 11 guys had to hit the fence. And if they didn't, well, then we'd have, you know, 10 burpees or whatever, you know, right, just yeah. as a reminder. And so in scrimmages, to reinforce the idea, I would say, listen, guys, you know, the, the rules for a scrimmage are pretty lax. You know, we still you know, can't get – you do you know, you're still going to get called on penalties and stuff. Right. But I'll tell the officials, we got this concept. If we intercept, we pick up a fumble, all of – even if they blow it dead, we're going to go hit the fence. And, Coach, you'd be surprised at how um, – intent the players become to get that goal in a scrimmage to all 11 guys hit the fence. Now, what's crazy, uh, we were playing Sherman one year, and I love Coach Showwater. He is a heck of a coach, man. He, he's a really good guy, and he's doing some good things there at Sherman. But we were we were scrimmaging Sherman at home, and uh, we had a perfect opportunity, forced fumble on a quarterback. Our outside linebacker picks it up. And he takes the fence, and all and the officials are blowing the whistle, whatever. All 11 of our guys hit the fence. Well, this is a, an indicator of when you're teaching something and the guys believe in it, what happens? Well, and it, it, it wasn't unsportsmanlike, but at the same time, I wish they wouldn't have done it. But our whole team rushed the field and hit the fence. And as a coach that's teaching a concept, you're like, oh my God, that is where we want to be, you know? that. Because there's no doubt in your mind that when this something happens, every single player knows what to do. So it was so funny, you know, Coach, hey, Coach Showwater, we didn't mean that out of this. Oh, he said, no big deal. And I'll be darned, the very next series, we fumbled. They picked it up. Their whole team ran to the end zone. That's fantastic. I love that. So, <laughs> you, you know, it, it was it was actually unique. and we, we laugh about it now, you know. 
uh, it fired their kids up. And we that wasn't the intent. But at the same time, it also I, I kind of like it. I love it that their kids then got a piece of the action. Their kids realized, you know what? Defense can score. We don't have to just sit there and catch and catch and catch. And then hopefully, you know, we get off the field on, you know, three downs or we get off the field on a couple series. We make a play here or there. No, man, be get after them. Get after them and 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 don't just wait for the breaks, you know, make the breaks. And and you know, something that I really believe in too is teaching guys what to do after the ball is intercepted. You know, you hear this all the time, the very basics, mm-hmm. head to the near sideline, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's there's a lot of value in that. And, and I, that's the very first step, you know, head to the near sideline. But what about the other not, uh, 10 guys there on the field? Mm-hmm. We teach interception return wall like you would teach a punt return wall. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and I started doing that years and years ago. And uh, I, I got to – uh, speak at the clinic last year for uh, Coach Lily Colfields, and I have some pretty good film of it. Our guys actually doing it, and 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 they don't always get it. And there's there's one clip if one kid had just done what he was coached, it had been like a, a 90 yard interception return. But anyway, the really basic key that I started out with was the offensive or the defensive lineman. They've rushed the quarterback. And the ball's in the air, or they're they're back there six, seven yards on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. We intercept the ball. We're starting to return down the sideline. And I was getting a lot of linemen that were just standing and watching. I noticed it on film one time. I was like, man, if he would have just got out and gave ground, he could have built a wall like on a punt return. And it was that light bulb moment for him. I'm like, well, there you go, coach. You're going to teach something. And, you know, I'm sure there's been coaches over the years do it, but mm-hmm. I, I felt it was pretty unique that I, I was watching film and it hit me. But so what I started doing was telling those O-linemen, o- listen, don't – as soon as you hear – our call was uh, yellow, 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 get a yellow. And a lot of people were Oski, bingo, whatever, uh, word to say, hey, we've intercepted the ball, let's get it down the field. Well, ours was get a yellow. And, our, and where it came from was our uh, – our scout team always wears yellow pennies. So over oh, okay. the years, I got you, know, you. <laughs> you know, we were always, as coaches, get a yellow, get a yellow. So in a game now, if we intercept the ball, if anybody hears yellow on defense, we know, hey, we've got a job to do. Let's get to it. So the very first thing is the, the, the defensive linemen have to give ground more. They've got to get down the field and then start to set up the return wall. And, I, and Coach, you can watch this on your film. You, you'll see it. Even every offensive lineman is kind of slowly seeing the, the interception guy returning it, and he's taking a, a slow angle down the field. Well, I talked to our defensive lineman. I said, listen, guys, you got to give ground and then build that wall. And when those O-linemen are getting ready to hit that, the guy that's intercepted mm-hmm. the ball, you're right there. You've built a wall for it. Mm-hmm. So the O-linemen never know it's, it's going to be there. Now – I started to add it up, like, you know, whatever side that the ball is intercepted on. Let's just say cover two safety um, from the defensive perspective, left side of the field, he intercepts the ball, let's say, you know, uh, deep out, what, 12 yards, whatever. Mm. So on that side, you've got a corner, probably in the flat. You've got an outside linebacker in the hook curl, right right in that range. So – those two guys need to be, as soon as they hear yellow or they see the ball is in our possession, they've got to right now turn and go straight up that sideline. They've got mm-hmm. to lead interference. they got to be looking for, you know, the receiver that was on the play or a secondary receiver, whatever. They've got to be in his fa- their face. The backside corner, the backside safety, they need right now to locate where the quarterback is, the blocking halfback or maybe a – uh, relief halfback. Those two guys are the quickest guys on the field. They're the most athletic back there. They've got the best perspective where they need to be to stop the interception return. Those backside guys are now going right at the quarterback, right at you, know, you're basically a blocking back or a receiver. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the offensive lineman 
are making the wall. And what happens is it's it's really unique when you see it all come together. Uh, offensive linemen, you know, defensive linemen are giving ground. They're building a little wall. The interference is going up the field, you know, blowing up anything in front of them. And those backside guys are coming in right at the last second, knocking out the quarterback, knocking out the other receiver. And it is it's a it's a well oiled machine, you know. You can create, and I, I, that's that's really why we was able to score three hundred defensive points in that that time frame. Uh, guys knew what to do. Guys knew where to go. Uh, and it, it sounds it sounds complicated, but it isn't. And mm-hmm. when you get the guys to realize, hey, man, we can do this. We can make things happen. And that's a big uh, saying for us. And, you know, I've, I've researched that quote a lot. Uh, Michael Jordan, you know, there's you know, people, some people wish it would happen. Some people uh, make it happen or wish it would happen. Some people make things happen. And, you know, you go, you take that clear back. It was actually originally talked, Buzz Aldrin said it back when, you know, they were going to the moon. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, it's really attributed these days to, to Michael Jordan. And I always told, tell our guys, don't be that guy that just stands around wishing things would happen. You know, go make it yeah. happen. Go make it happen. Don't say, boy, I wish we could re- – well, I wish we could have scored right there. You know, we intercepted that ball. Uh, or, hey, man, I, I wish I would have scooped and scored. I wish I would have scooped that ball first because I had – it was out in the flat and I had a clear run at it, but I just decided to jump. Don't be the guy that just wishes that you would have done something. Train yourself and go make it happen. And we we lived on that, and it was uh, it was exciting. And I I tell you, uh, I went back through and I converted. I think we started using Huddle. I think it was eleven, and I think Huddle had been out a few years before that. We were a little bit slow uh, getting on the Huddle train, and um, I went back. It cleared to two thousand four, and I had a buddy of mine, Mitch Owen. Uh, his son is a senior at PHS this year. He runs fifteen forty five or. Uh, 1455 media. I don't know if you've ever run into Mitch Owen or not, but if you haven't, I need to look him up. Yeah, for sure. Coach, you do Mitch Owen. I'll give you the contact, but he converted a lot of our VHS stuff to digital even. And then I uploaded that to huddle. So I got a ton of those scores, those defensive scores, the interception returns. Mm -hmm. The, I think I got 10 of the scooping scores, I think. And a couple of them I still hadn't been able to find. I, I tell you, I've got totes and totes of VHS tapes. Coach, uh, I think you're about to explain what a VHS is to some of our listeners. People don't know what VHS is. Like, what the heck or is this guy talking about? You know what I mean? Hey, I'll even go <laughs> one further. I've got uh, some of the real reels. The six, what was it 16 millimeter? I guess I've got some of those from. Oh my back. gosh! Yeah. So our our Fred Taylor gave them to me. So I even got some of the films clear back into the. Uh, Late 40s, 1948, 1949, when Ravenswood was playing. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, But anyway, uh, you know, just uh, whenever kids – and the reason I put all those – tried to compile all of them, and it's a ton of work. It is is a ton of work, but it's so worth it. Um, When you can talk to kids, you can say, listen, these guys weren't any different than you. Even – and one of my main things – I'm just kind of jumping around here a little bit. And I'll tie it all together. One of my main things that I was trying to do was when you don't have those horses that you can plow with and you say your talent level dips, you should still be able to be offensive-minded as a defense, make the offense do things it doesn't want to do, even when your talent level dips, score when the opportunities arise. So – when you get new kids in your program, your freshmen and your sophomores or whatever, and they haven't been around that way of thinking, well, you've got video evidence. Hey, these guys were no different than you, okay? Mm-hmm. They're drinking the same water back then that you guys are drinking Yeah, for today. sure. And they're, they, were, they could do it. They believed in the concept. Here's video evidence of it. And I'm a, mm-hmm. I, I, really, I really implore coaches to take time and go back into your history mm-hmm. And show that, you know, you could and, and talk yeah. about it. And, you know, that's the thing is, is I, I, I'm i the type of person, I'm huge. You and I have talked, huge history guy, uh, especially Ravenswood history. I got into somewhat of West Virginia high school football history with Robert Bonar um, and the guy from Bluefield, and I, Rick, uh, oh, shoot, I forget his last name. 
he's the uh, West Virginia football historian. Okay. Uh, yeah, he does tons of work, and I, and I, I've kind of got into that and, and looking at old articles. You know, it's it's really interesting to me. But you know, we're big on talking history, and 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 how do you, you know when you talk to kids today? You know, we we have all as coaches talked about as teachers, as parents. It just is a little bit of a disconnect in society with respect to what happened before us, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, showing that sure. respect. And and I, you know, listen, I, I I always you know try to use quotes and stuff, and I always say, hey, I'm drawing a blank right now on this one, but we stand on the shoulders of giants to see clearly where we're going. I can't remember who did that, but I I talk about our guys that were all staters or not not maybe not even an all stater, just a guy who made a big play. And we'll clip that up and show it and say, this is a giant. Look what he did. Now, you stand on his shoulders and you do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the next guy is going to stand on your shoulders. We're going to learn from our history and we're, we're going to keep this thing together. So, you know, I, that's, you know I, I'm just real big on that. Um, but, you know, defensively, philosophy, I, uh, I don't care what defense you're running. Mm-hmm. It, it could be – listen, I've talked about a cover too. I really love it. But got into the three-three stack and had some pretty good success with that. Right. Uh, did it a couple different times and had some mixed results right at the beginning, and then got really good with it in 2011. We actually in 2011 we we had a team record 110 um, tackles for loss. We oh, in man. 11 games. Yeah, we was we was almost 11 tackles for loss. You know, mm-hmm. average and. You know, it, it's this concept of teaching, you know, your defense to be offensive minded. It don't matter what defense you're running. You know, three, four doesn't matter. You can still teach these guys. Um, you know, and and that's the thing is, I, I kind of missed one thing I like to talk about. We have five steps of defense. Mm-hmm. We Go ahead, coach. You got time. Yeah. We're on a podcast. Yeah. We can do this as long as we want. <laughs> Well, I just don't, I don't want it to be boring, you know, but I tell you, five, there's five steps that I, I've really built on. And the first one is communicate, and every coach talks about this, but it's, it's down in distance and situ, I add in situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, every coach says, hey, communicate down in distance. Communicate down in distance. I've heard that at every clinic I've ever been to. I heard it from my high school coaches back in the 80s. Communicate, tell your buddy what down in distance. I mean, I've always heard it. But I've never really heard anybody talk about situational awareness. And it, this is another podcast, how I used to teach it. And I studied, uh, I studied the Navy and how they teach their pilots situational awareness when they're up there, you know, whatever it is, 10,000 feet and they're in a dogfight. They've got to see what's going to happen before it happens. Yeah. So I, kind of, I started to teach that to our defensive guys. And it started out with down and distance. And then it was, where are you on the field and what time of the game is it? Now, you have a scouting report, okay? Mm-hmm. We know that in these situations, this is what they do, all right? And it sounds really complicated, but it isn't. When you break it down, well, we know we've already saw – I'm just going to you know, use this example. You know, we're, we're playing an I team. And we know one of our keys is the blocking fullback, whatever. Um, we've seen dive a couple times. Well, that coach is setting you up. You know, he's going to counter you at any moment. So when you say, hey, this is down in distance and we're on this yard line, you, somebody needs to be vocalizing, we're going to get a counter at any moment. And when when a team on our de- or our defensive team would believe in that and we would call out their tendencies, coach, I kid you not, We've had teams shut down that we've played because mm-hmm. the frustration starts to get in and they're yelling to their sideline. They know our plays. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more satisfying than when you get a, 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 a group of kids to look at a scouting report and then become situational aware and they can start to call out a play that's going to happen and it happens. And then the other team shuts down. They're like, they know what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and I, we've had teams do that. Uh, I've coached teams that that's happened to us, you know, and it's frustrating as a coach because 
you're like, God, that they're well coached. And you have to tell your guys, listen, game of football, it's about strategy. And, you know, they've really studied this and they know what we're doing. And uh, that when you get to that point as a coach, then you're, the answers you have start to become less and less because you yeah, know for sure. your kids are then starting to to fall off a little bit. So, but it, but you know that situational awareness. We even took it a one step further, uh, reading your key, okay, and knowing when you see this key, this is happening over here to my right, out of my out of my peripheral vision, mm-hmm. and you know. I've had a few line. It really plays well with linebackers. It may not play very well with defensive linemen, um, and sometimes it doesn't play. Def, uh, safeties, not so much corners, but it plays well with those guys that have that central look. The the Mike, especially your mm-hmm. safety, free safety, or even cover two. Those guys really build on it. And you know, I've had several kids, you know, at, at the end of their careers, just be like, you know, I, I got a lot of my tackles. And didn't even see it coming because I knew what I saw in front of me, something else was going over here. And I just knew where to go. Mm-hmm. And it all ties together. But uh, that first step, just communicate down distance, the second in situational awareness. Uh, step two, of course, everybody's huge on it, uh, stance and alignment. Mm-hmm. And we kill on alignment. I mean, talk it and talk it and talk it, coach it and coach it, coach it. And, you know, when you, you're out of alignment, coach, you know as well as I do <laughs> – you can be a stud team, but you get out of alignment a little bit, and a, a team that's not, you know, mm-hmm. as good as you, they can make you look bad, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but stance, you know, big on stance, and we we every position, of course, we go th- underneath of these points. We go through, hey, you know, we're going to be in this stance. Uh, linebacker wise, I'm a big linebacker guy. Um, always always try to keep our guys about four and a half yards off the ball. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of schools and guys in high school, oh, that's too deep. That's too deep. And I I, I disagree. You know, I mm-hmm. uh, seeing two things, seeing what's happening in front of you and to be able to react downhill mm-hmm. is big. Being too close to the line of scrimmage, you're going to get caught in the wash. Those two things. But at four yeah. and a half, you're still sitting really well. Your feet are at four. Your butt's at four and a half. Or I even – some of the, the guys are really downhill kids. I'll even get them to where their feet are at four and a half and their butts at five. Uh, mm. I had a Mike, you know, he's playing college football now at Newport News, and a lot of times I'd have to have him do that. You know, I'd mm. I'd set him back a little bit. Even at four, four and a half yards, he was still too close to the ball. He was getting caught up. He would – such a quick read. I mean, he mm. would be – he would be at the point of attack on a trap or a counter, and he would be the one that was getting trapped. Or he would be the one that was getting, you know, kicked out, and it was crazy. You know, I, I got to back him up a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, he has so, some good genes, from what I hear, though. <laughs> well, he was, yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm. I was blessed, you know. He's uh, grow. You know, I guess when you get a little shadow running around you from the whole time when he's, yeah, you know, up plays when he's four years old and you know, it's that sort of thing. Mm-hmm, he grew up absolutely. around. Absolutely. Yeah. He definitely uh, bleeds over into him. But anyway, uh, he's definitely a lot better looking than I am. Oh, <laughs> man. Coach, get out of here with that. I see his picture in the background. That's why I was, I was focused. I was making a yep. joke about it. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, you know, on step three, technique. You know, we always talk about technique at the snap. You know, every position has a, a technique. And we practice that all the time. You know, pre-practice, we'll practice it. We'll do a little bit of an individual talking about it. But then on team, you know, these five steps and that step three is, you know, on the on that technique at the snap is is really key. Uh, step four, uh, I'm going to change the wording on this a little bit. I always used to say superior pursuit angle. And I'll, I can break that all down. But on, on that pursuit angle, a lot of coaches talk it. Um, a lot of coaches teach it. But – I'm not sure that pursuit angle, especially at the high school level, is talked and coached every chance you get. Mm-hmm. And as I coached from my early career on up through, I realized pursuit angle is probably the most important thing besides a great form tackle. And uh, I always said that's why I put superior. I said, mm. don't take that lazy angle. 
you know, that backside uh, three technique tackle away from the play, and he's taking a pursuit angle that's kind of flat. Dude, open them hips up and sprint because you mm-hmm. and, and and I'm huge on these tackles making these plays. Those 15 yard down the field. Everybody says, "Oh God, he picked up 15 yards." But I'm gonna tell you, Coach, mm-hmm. if that 250 pound, 275 pound backside tackle away from the flow will open up and take a superior pursuit angle and that kid thinks he's broke into the open and that big tackle cuts him in half and sends him into the sideline that's huge Mm -hmm. because that tells that kid that's a running back oh god you know this isn't going to be as easy as i thought it was you know i broke that tackle that contained you know i broke that i got by that second you know that force guy and i thought i was going to score but man i my ribs are hurting a little bit. Right, yeah. You know, if you can get a, a kid that's a running back to second guess when he's in the open, um, and great players are going you know, you, you'll talk to great players, and they say, well, it's part of the game. I know I'm going to get hit. It doesn't affect me. They're lying. Yeah. <laughs> if you can plant that that shoulder right, you know, in that solar plexus, and you can knock the wind out of him a little bit, it's huge. So that back, that, that superior pursuit angle, it's for every kid. Um, backside corner. The last line of defense. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy just broke 30-yard run. If that backside corner is taking that superior pursuit angle, that lane is filled. Filled. He's not going to score. What happens is, is when guys get lazy, you know, they say, oh, my buddy's going to make the tackle. You know, we preach get mad if your buddy makes the tackle. You're not <laughs> have a look, you're not just competing against that other team as a defense. Compete against your buddy. Mm-hmm. I I want to be. You know, on the stat sheet, I want to be number one on the tackles. You know, but compete a little bit. And we do a lot of creating competition inside the team, too. But, uh, you know, last thing is form tackle. And I already talked about it, keeping the feet in the ground. Uh, to me, that's the most important part. Uh, bent knees, of course, everybody talks about bent knees. I'm going to tell you, Coach, if you stop your feet or you drag your feet, it's mm-hmm. – that's where you get – that's where kids and, – and it's not just high school kids, but you watch NFL guys. NFL guys will – you know, they'll throw an arm out and their feet stop, you know, especially your DBs. They don't want to mix it up. You know, um, you know, a lot of DBs, not not all, but, you know, they, they don't want to mix it up. And it, it, I'm telling you, if you grind – and I always tell our guys, throw rooster tails. You know, mm. you can even throw rooster tails and probably even better on turf. You know, the pellets are kicking up, and when you see those pellets kick up, you know, hey, man, he's grinding. He's grinding his feet, and that's what's going to stop that guy. And uh, so we really preach that. And I tell you, uh, S, uh, I tell you, one of the the coolest tackling dummies I've I've ever had uh, was the S-pad by Gilman, I think it is. Mm -hmm. It's the S-tackling sled. I think there's two versions. There's like a high school version, a collegiate version, I think the – High school's 185 pounds, collegiate's 225, and we, I mean, we kill those things. Mm-hmm. We really got away, you know, with the new rules and everything, a ton of live tackling. Our team time was live tackle, but, you know, we could pound the heck out of that, that uh, S tackling sled mm-hmm. and keep the feet in the ground. And if you don't keep the feet in the ground with that sled, it will, you'll know it. <laughs> it yeah, all right, yeah. Kind of hits back, you know. Yeah. And uh, if you don't, you know, you know, apply your upper body and your lower body together to get it down the ground, that sled lets you know, it, lets you know it. And mm-hmm. so, I'm really big on that, you know, that that S tackling sled, man, it's it's so good. But um, those five steps can apply to any defense, and it's real basic stuff. I mean, it's not groundbreaking. Heck, I know. Everybody, uh, every defensive coach, and even on offense, you know, what do you got to do? What's the bare minimum on this play, even if you're confused? And I tell that to our guys all the time. You miss the call, okay? You miss the call, we'll just revert back to your five steps. Those five mm-hmm. steps will never let you down, and it's real basic stuff. And I've got a lot of young guys to believe in that, and they get thrown out there on the field, and they haven't had a lot of experience the last thing I'll tell them is they're running out when, you know, it's that sophomore who's like, oh, gosh, he's never – and his eyes are about as big as pie plates. You say, hey, yeah. man, five steps, it's all right. 
it's all right. Just five steps. And, uh, you know, it, it works out good. Yeah. That's awesome. Coach. Yeah, coach, man, I, you are full of wisdom. I got to get you back on another podcast. Uh, yeah. cause you could go like, cause you'd like to have your own podcast. I think you should start your own. <laughs> Seriously. I think you should. You'd be great yeah. at this. Yeah. I enjoy talking it. I really have enjoyed talking to you today, but i tell you something, I, you know, I, you know, Coach Lilly down there with Coalfields, I think you got the very first one. I think you got – did you speak at the first one? I was going to, and then I oh. had a I had a weekend job at the time. And yeah, then yeah. Um, I, I, just the times didn't work. I ended up yeah, having right. not be able to go. But they do a great job. I, for sure they do a great yes. job. The last couple of years, Coach Lilly asked me to speak. And uh, the first year, we had uh, – I spoke on program building and stuff. We had that 100-year uh, celebration in 2014. It was our centennial. And I spoke mm -hmm. on that at great length. And then he asked me last year to speak on really what I spoke about today. And and what the, the deciding factor was, for 17 years, we were positive in the turnover ratio. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what? You're kidding. I was like, yeah, 17 years. And uh, he's like, well, how did you do that? And I, of course, explained everything I quickly what I told you today. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you the most amazing stat, and you, you'll never believe it. In 2017, we had one of those nightmare games. Our offense had 10 turnovers. Oh, my gosh. And our offense had 300 yards, 320 yards of total offense at the end of the game. Their offense had 100 total yards. But we lost – 30, I think it was 32 to 7. Okay? Oh, coach. So, even with those, that one game where we gave the ball up 10 times, I think they had two pick sixes, a scoop and score, mm. whatever. Uh, we fumbled on our own 10. They had a 10-yard drive for a score. Mm. It, was, it was a nightmare. And uh, mm. even with those, that one game where we still gave the ball up 10 times, mm. um, we were, I think that year, I think we were like plus five. And then uh, I think it was 2015, we had a down year. We were one and nine. We still had a plus, I think it was plus one. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it, 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 how do you get there? Mm -hmm. You got to talk it every single day. Mm -hmm. You've got to rep it every single day it's just it's just basic common sense but what do you what do you really care about and as a defensive coach that's what i cared about i i wanted even when we were not very good to be able to produce those takeaways mm -hmm. to produce scoring defense you know to get that high sack number and you know that's back when i started to you know 2004 i tried to research coaches who talked about this kind of thing and i just couldn't find them you know, yeah. of course, social media at the time, I, I don't, I'm not really sure. I don't think that it was that big then with social media. It was still at clinics. That kind of stuff could have been out there. I just couldn't find it. Books. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've got a couple cool books on you know, turnovers and whatnot. But you know, realistically, um, I just figured, hey, if this is how we're going to do it. And it, it was successful, you know. Yeah, so, heck yeah. Coach, yeah. man, that's that's awesome. I thank you for coming on, and I'm going to yeah. go back and listen to this after I put it up and take a bunch of notes so <laughs> I can take these notes down. I really appreciate you doing this because this is that's a, it's a topic people have don't talk about on my at least my podcast so far as turnovers and defensive philosophy and right. Um, we definitely got to do part two, three, four, five. Maybe it's like a <laughs> ten part series with Coach Jason Jackson. You you never know, you know. Yeah, you're kind, Coach. I I appreciate it. Really, I do, man. Awesome, Coach. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, thank you for coming on. Yep. Have a good one.